Hey everyone, welcome and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Julian Ryan Show. I wanted to take this week to talk about bad managers or bad company management that really impact the way an employee feels at the company and how it affects things like our work ethic or our performance at work. I wanted to also say that all of these experiences that I'll be talking about in today's episode are my own experiences where I'll be going over how I dealt with a bad manager and how bad management has impacted my performance and work ethic when it comes to my career. So, as I mentioned in my previous episode, I used to job hop a lot. So, I've had, I want to say, about nine jobs. And of those nine jobs, the longest I've been at a company is with my current company. And it's been one year and 11 months, so almost two years. And the next longest duration before that was three months. So, these two managers that I'll bring up, were so these two managers that I'll bring up are from my two longest jobs being one year and being my two longest jobs being almost two years and as little as three months so I want to talk about my first position as a tax intern where I worked for three months and had my first experience with the corporate world and also my first very negative experience with a manager. So to start, the tax internship that I had when I first graduated from school, being my first experience in the professional world, I worked at a small CPA firm of about 10 people total. There were four interns and four managers and two partners. So each intern was assigned a manager who would mentor them throughout the internship and upon full hire, be their mentor for their career. The manager that I was assigned really, I guess, set the tone for how my time at that CPA firm would go. The relationship that I had with my manager was very negative. So every time I met with her, it wasn't a check-in. It wasn't to see how I was doing. It was more so, I guess, commentary or meetings to say how badly I've been performing. To give even more insight on this manager, the tax firm specialized on highly net worth individuals. So I was supposed to be doing taxes for people who had um, annual incomes of $5 million or more. And the first tax returns I was doing with her were for corporate returns. So I was working on corporations, not individuals, which their returns are done very differently. Individuals focus mainly on their wage and salaries, where corporate incomes, we're looking at all of their financial statements. I'm looking at their balance sheet, their profit and loss, cash flows, and making journal entries to reconcile their income. Basically, the process is very different. During my training at this company, I we probably had three weeks to focus on individuals and maybe, I want to say, less than a day to focus on corporate tax returns and how to, the process of going over them. So, of course, when I got to do my first corporate tax return in the middle of busy season, 
my manager, it was riddled with mistakes. And my manager brought me into her office and she was like, everything in this tax return is wrong. Mind you, we only had training for individual returns, no trade, not as in-depth training for corporate returns. Therefore, of course you would expect errors. So during that meeting, I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry that we, that, that return had many mistakes. I didn't receive formal training. Um, what more can we expect? I was like, how about I walk you through what I did and you can point out to me where I went wrong. I think that's my best learning style. She responded saying, no, why would I do that? Everything you did was wrong. Why would you want to walk me through your process? It's wrong. That's why we're having this meeting. What you did was wrong. And that really shocked me at the time. I had never had someone like, she spoke to me in such a disrespectful and degrading tone where she was just like, I don't know what you did. I don't know what you thought you did, but it's wrong. And like, now I have to spend more time fixing all of your mistakes because it's your fault. And that very, that shocked me a lot. Like that was my first time dealing with someone in a corporate sense. Um, If someone spoke to me like that outside of work, I would have been like, well, I would have spoken to them back. But I thought because she was my boss, I couldn't speak to her back. I was just like, okay, thank you. Just please let me know what you did to fix this return and I'll try and apply it to my next return. And so we spent the next, honestly, 10 minutes where she was like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Now, do work on a different tax return and keep in mind the notes that I gave you. When I get back to my desk, I work on the next corporate return that's in my queue and it's a software company. The previous company industry that I worked on was a manufacturing industry. And to those that are unfamiliar with accounting, um, different industries focus on different aspects of accounting. So for example, the construction company that I was working on, they had a lot of inventory and they also had this thing called construction in progress, CIP. And what that means is basically you account for things differently based on how complete your your project is. That construction company, they either finished the building in 2019 or they didn't. They're 50% done, 60% done, and you account for that differently. You're focused mainly on the construction in progress. For this new company, it's in the software industry. Software doesn't have construction in progress. They don't have yes or no completed. What they have is research and development. And because they're selling more software, they also have travel and entertainment expenses. And what I'm trying to say by giving this comparison is that these two companies have two different industries and therefore they're taxed differently. And it was very hard for me to apply what she did in the construction industry to the software industry because there's different tax, I guess, benefits, different journal entries that you're making for each company. And so this time before I turned it in and just wanted and used my half day of training initially and used her review notes, I asked her for help Um, because I let her know this is a different company. This is in a different industry. She goes, apply what I told you. And I said, I'm finding it hard to apply to this company. This one has a lot more travel and entertainment expenses that we can write off. And I'm confused as to how to do this journal entry. 
She goes, well, just Google it, figure it out based on what you can find on Google. So I do. Of course, it's wrong, <laughs> which leads us to our second one-on-one. -on -one. When she tells me that everything, not everything, but like a lot of things that I have done in this tax return are wrong too. Now the same conversation where she doesn't want to hear what I've done because it's wrong and just tells me how to do things. And when she has her process in that way where I can't tell her or where she can't tell me where I went wrong, it's a really big struggle because sometimes a mistake won't be a technical mistake. It will be just me inputting a number in the wrong box or me putting in something that shouldn't have been there completely. And I just felt that her management skills weren't good. And it was creating a very toxic environment of me not receiving adequate training, not me receiving adequate feedback, something that will help me lessen the amount of mistakes going forward. So just her not being able to help me grow as my position in the intern, as well as her creating a very toxic environment. Keep in mind that during tax season, I was working from 6 or 7 a.m. to 9 or 10 p.m. Of course, there's bound to be mistakes working with high volume, long hours, and training that's just not that training that didn't well equip you to do well in your position. All of that added in with her toxic behavior. She just kept yelling at me. Every interaction I had with her was not a positive one. She would never say like, oh, you actually did a good job on this one when I had a return that I would turn in with two errors or three, which was a great improvement from before because the individual returns would be better. She wouldn't if I did improve on a tax return, she wouldn't comment anything. She would just be like, well, it's about time you got it. And that was just very discouraging. I actually went up to my, the partner. So one of the two managing partners saying that I didn't feel like this intern was benefiting me. And I don't feel like of what I'm learning. It's, allowing me to become an asset to this company too and I requested to switch to a different manager. That manager that I switched to was the nicest person ever. She was always there to give advice. She was a person that would say, let me see how you did this and point out where I was going wrong. She would say, hey, you did a nice job on this return. Like, good job. I'm proud of you. And it's just those positive words of, I guess, affirmations or just just showing gratitude for the work that you're putting in and acknowledging the improvements that you're making in your first position at a corporate job in accounting that really made me feel like wow like I am growing this is a great feeling and it made me want to stay at the company that didn't last long because that manager or that manager actually left the firm in tax season to work at a larger company. And because of that, we were uh, restructured to where I was sent back to my previous manager who was toxic. And that's when I tried to leave. I remember going in to her one day, her meeting one day. To just discuss all of these review notes and it was very insulting 
it, it, maybe it was the hours of busy season. I don't know. But she printed out the tax return and just threw it on her desk. I remember. And she was just like, page one, this line is wrong. Page two, this line is wrong. And then she just went through all the lines saying wrong, 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 wrong. At that point, I was working well over 60 hours a week. And I just didn't want to deal with it. I started like talking back. I was like, I don't like, what do you want from me? I don't know what you want. There's too much work. There's not enough training. There's no feedback. I don't like working here. And so I tried to quit. She was like, you can't quit now. You made a commitment to stay here until tax day, April 15th. And in the end of March, I was already trying to quit. (laughs) She said, if you quit now, you're committing career suicide. No company, no public accounting firm is ever going to hire you because they're going to think that you're a quitter. No one quits during busy season, especially as an intern. That, of course, scared me. That scare tactic that she used scared me. I went home and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't leave. I have to make it here for another two to three weeks. So I tried to last until the end, but she was just so rude and condescending that at the end of March, I think it was March 28th, I just put in my notice and I was thinking to myself, even if I don't find another job in accounting, we'll see how true your statement is. It wasn't true, of course. Um, If you guys listened to my first episode, I had, I think, six or seven jobs literally within that same year. So I was even more annoyed at my manager for trying to scare me into staying. That's how I knew I was adding value to the company, not because they actually cared about my career, but because I was adding value and she just didn't want me to, for some reason, know. So I just wanted to touch on the like what impacted me most at this first position with that my first experience with a manager. She was very rude. She was very toxic. She pushed me away from the company, both in how she treated me and how she didn't allow me to grow by learning from my past mistakes. She was just telling me how to fix the mistakes um, in the sense where it's like update the stumper with this, update that page with this instead of telling me how she arrived to get that number and where to put it. Most tax returns for high net individuals and corporations are very complicated. They go beyond a W-2 that me and most people will be entering in a tax return. Some kids will, or some people will have alimony, child support, which I don't think we're tax deductible, but they'll have a bunch of, uh, what are they? 1099s, different a few 1099s and K1s, which are very tedious to enter. We have a lot of different standard deductions, just a bunch that goes into it. And it's just me. It wasn't that I was able to learn from her, or it was the fact that I wasn't able to learn from her, along with the fact that she didn't treat me as an adult or a person in the workplace. That's how my first experience was with the corporate world. I tried to make it known that her managing style wasn't effective. And as a result, I ended up walking away from that job before completing the tax season. I was very scared at the time, thinking what she said was true, that I was committing career suicide. But what I learned from that is there will always be another job out there. 
to someone listening, if you think that a company is very toxic, if you're scared of leaving without having anything lined up, of course, it's best to always have a job lined up, but there will always be another job out there. You will always find another career. And I found that out after I just left when she told me I was making a big mistake and I thought I was, but it's just a scare tactic. It's just a scare tactic that your company will use to get you into staying. Next, I wanted to talk about my manager at my current position. I've been working at my current position for almost two years now. Currently, it's one year and 11 months. The manager I have is very nice. I like her on a personal level for the most part. Her managing style is a lot different from the managers that I previously had or spoke about, but I would say it's the way she communicates the company policies to me that made me want to walk away from my current company. (laughs) To give background, I, I started in January of 2019 and my hours were nine to five. And I was well aware that nine to six was a work day that was pretty common for Americans. You work nine to six with the one hour lunch. So that's nine hours total at work, but eight working hours and an unpaid lunch. When I started working, I worked nine to five and I thought that company was really cool. Everyone for the a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people were working from nine to five as well. And towards about maybe a year and seven months, a lot of responsibilities were being brought upon me to the point where I was working closer to nine to six. I never said anything to my manager because of the fact that I thought it would just be temporary. But when I spoke with my manager in September, she asked me how my work, how my workload was. And I was letting her know like, oh, I'm working a lot more now before I would work from nine to five, but now I'm working closer to nine to six, sometimes maybe a little past that, but generally now nine to six. She got mad at me. She was like, you know, nine to six is a normal work day. I don't know why you're complaining. I wasn't complaining. I was just letting her know that I was working more and I thought it would be temporary, but it's becoming the norm. And she got mad at me. So I shared with her that she knew I was working from nine to five. And because I'd been working for over a year and a half with a nine to five schedule that I just thought that was normal. So now that I'm working nine to six, you asked me how my workload was. So it's obviously increased. And she was just being really rude. She was like, well, you're salaried now. I don't know why you have a problem with working more. I don't, she's like, if you're taking a lunch, nine to six is what you should have been doing this whole time. So I was, of course, very confused as to why she was getting mad. But then I countered with asking if nine to six was the norm, why didn't you say anything for the whole time I was working from nine to five? Every morning I would come in and say good morning and every day I would say goodbye at five. You knew that I wasn't working beyond those hours and you never said anything 
until now when you asked how my workload is doing. And from that, she was like, well, you're salaried. You should be working. I'm not saying all the time, but you should be working however long it takes you to finish your job. And I, the thing that was bothering me was that I knew that and I didn't have a problem with it. Again, I never brought it up to her until she said that, until she asked. And that's when I got frustrated because if not... Nine to six is something that I didn't mind working. A lot of people work it, but the fact that she was just expecting it to me, I'm not really sure what her thought process was because her saying, no, nine to six, if you're taking a lunch, like your nine to five was unacceptable. Why is she telling me my nine to five is unacceptable now, one and a half years into my job? So that was really just an odd conversation to have. The reason why I wanted to bring that up first was because the reason I am working nine to six and was comfortable sort of by working a little longer is because I asked her for more responsibilities. I asked her for more accounting related responsibilities. So I asked to learn international accounting and revenue counting at the beginning of 2020. So that was almost 11 months ago. She told me throughout the year that I would be learning them, but because she knew that I had the ability to take on more roles, she would give me roles that I didn't want to be a part of. So for example, I was hoping the finance team that I don't work with, so like I'm in accounting and we have a separate finance team, I was hoping them implement a new software, which is very time consuming. And I was hoping legal with our contracts, saving the contracts, asking the purchasers if we're renewing, going over all the terms, spending all the time doing tasks that weren't related to my career and wouldn't help me grow personally in my career. So I I brought that up. I said, right now I'm working nine to six. I didn't mind it before, but now that I'm now that I'm forced to work nine to six. I would rather have them be responsibilities that are actually relevant to my career. I didn't sign up to learn finance. I didn't sign up to learn legal when I graduated with a BA in accounting and worked and accepted this role as an accountant. And she, again, got mad at me when I expressed that to her. Um, she was saying, I, so in the beginning of the year, I let her know that I wanted to work on two things, international and revenue. She was like, okay, we'll teach you every month until I brought this to her. And then when I expressed to her that I was taking on responsibilities that weren't relevant, she said, well, we can't just give you international and revenue accounting. Those are big projects. To which I was annoyed and frustrated because this whole year she was like, yes, we'll teach you. Yes, we'll teach you. And now she's like, We can't teach you. Those are two big projects. So once we had that conversation, that's when I felt as though I wasn't able to grow with my current company. It was really discouraging for me to find out that two of the main things that I wanted to learn, I wouldn't be able to learn. And all of the things that I'm being taught won't help me further my career at this company and won't help me further this career overall. 
Um, so I kept working for a little longer beyond these conversations, of course. It's now November. And I have been reached out to by a couple of recruiters um, because I have been looking for jobs. And I found out that I was being paid way below market rate, like way below market rate. So for other people in my position or have my title at a different company, they're paying those employees a significant amount more than what I'm making. So I did something, I guess, bold, and I asked my manager for a raise. And it wasn't just because I knew I was being underpaid at that point. I brought up a bunch of contributions that I made to the company. So for example, I have been involved in two system implementations, one for the accounting team, one for the finance team. I helped in the audits for our company, as well as the audits for the funding that we received in 2019 for 72 million changing our year end from 1231 to january 31st and my biggest impact was basically recreating our accounts receivable model i helped accelerate the collection through creating different templates working with legal for language and ultimately automating the process cutting my responsibilities dedicated to that responsibility from eight hours a week to two hours a week. So I mentioned all of these in my raise meeting and my manager said, we acknowledge that, but we don't feel like it warrants a raise. And that really shocked me. How does the collection of cash for a company, how does increasing how fast we're receiving the cash as well as improving efficiency for a role how is that something that doesn't warrant a raise i also i think what they don't comprehend my manager is that i have full access to payroll and with that comes full visibility into seeing everyone in our company's names titles and salaries and for me to see that in the gap of salaries the next person being paid above me so not title wise but salary wise it's me and then going up to the next highly paid person that person was double my salary and i knew that they had the capacity to give me a raise i just wanted a five thousand dollar raise um but they didn't they also i feel don't understand the fact that i see all the expenditures that we make for other people. I asked for what I felt was a raise that would give me more comfort in the work I was doing versus the responsibilities. And for that to be denied, but I'm seeing that my company is purchasing silver Tiffany jewelry for some employees. Um, They're purchasing silver spoons. They're definitely uh, that are worth $200, $300 plus shipping, making the total order $500 or purchasing wine for someone who bought a house for that's totaling $1,000. It's just, I saw that we were making very lavish gift purchases for people um, and I, me not getting a raise for actual contributions was very discouraging. It made me not want to keep working at this company. I found ways to increase efficiency. I found ways to improve processes to accelerate the cash that we receive. And I 
didn't even get like there's no acknowledging from anyone until I brought that up but yet here as I reconcile our credit cards I see that we're buying hundred dollar lunches for the executive team every day again we're purchasing Tiffany jewelry spoons sterling silver accessories to different employees um, it's just very discouraging for my manager to acknowledge that so this differentiates from my previous manager where she was toxic at least with my current manager she was acknowledging but there is no good that came from it I do feel as though employers and managers should really try and encourage their employees to want to make these efficiencies like I did and reward them on that because now I don't see a point in trying harder for my job. There's no, that's, so that, this is where I learned, don't try beyond what's expected. Don't go above and beyond because you'll be working your 40 hour work week it doesn't matter how fast you do your job. It just matters that you have it done with no mistakes. It's not mattering if you increased efficiency, help save the company money, save time somewhere. Your company doesn't matter. To them, it's just like, cool, you did your job. And that really discouraged me. So now I just do the bare minimum, all I need to get by and nothing else. And I feel like this management style really stunts growth in the sense that I don't, I'm unmotivated to want to grow with this company. And it, it just reflects poorly, um, on the company. Like if I can't see me growing, what makes me want to stay? I'm pretty early in my career. I don't know why I would want to stay. Um, so that's me on a personal level on a petty level. Let's get into that. Um, my company likes to boast that we have a generous PTO policy, which is as they and I quote, it's unlimited. So before in 2019, I asked my manager, what does, unlim uh, what does unlimited actually mean? She responded saying, as long as the time we have is not busy, you're free to take it off. So I took off a week in February and I asked her again. I said, what does unlimited PTO mean? She said, as I told you before, if we're free, you could take the time off. Okay, so I scheduled two weeks off in July. Approved. In October, I was like, okay, I know most companies in my area, they range from three weeks off to six weeks off. And in October, I wanted to take another week off. So I asked her and I wanted to clarify. I clarified before every vacation. Hey, what, like, so we have unlimited PTO. I want to take a week off in October. She goes, yep, approved. October, I took my fourth week off of work. And come November, the holidays are approaching. I asked to take, um, I believe, the Tuesday and Wednesday off before Thanksgiving. And then the 24th and 26th off of December, as well as the 31st. That was five extra work days, which equated to one extra week which would have put my total PTO for the year at five weeks. So as I requested the two days off in November and three days off in December, my manager called me aside and said, Julian, you can't take these dates off. And I was like, oh, why? Why can't we? And that's when she shared to me, 
Oh, when we say unlimited, what we mean is four weeks. If you knew, so my manager knew the whole time, apparently, that you only get four weeks off when our company claims unlimited PTO. If I had known that, I wouldn't have taken my vacation in October. I literally took a week off in October to just sit at home because I thought we had unlimited PTO. And since I was requesting this after that vacation, it was very frustrating to let her know that, why didn't you tell me this before? I asked before every vacation, oh, unlimited PTO, does it really mean unlimited? And then she said she doesn't want people abusing the unlimited PTO. Keep in mind the days that I asked off were days that most of people at the company were already taking off. No one's going to be at work on the 24th, the 26th, and the 31st. Those weren't holidays at our company, but those were just common days that everyone took off. So did not get those days off. I called in sick on the 24th, but came into work on the 26th. And of our headcount of 170 employees, it was me and four other people on the 26th there. I did nothing. I drove into work and no one was there. And that really bothered me because I don't know why they didn't just, one, let me know that unlimited meant four weeks and two, just let me take that day off because no one was in the office anyways. This also brings me to talking about how different managers enforce the rules differently. So in December, when I came into work on the 26th, I talked to one of my coworkers and they asked me why I was in work or why I went to work that day. And I said, I couldn't get time off. I exceeded the four weeks. The scroll in marketing said, what do you mean? I got six weeks off of this year. And that's what also, that's, that I was pretty bothered by that because I was, my manager said four weeks because she didn't want me to quote, abuse the policy while people in the same company at different departments were getting longer times off. And that made me feel like I was in the wrong that made me feel like I was just in the wrong career. I was like, accounting really sucks. I can only take four weeks off, but marketing, sales, engineering, they can all get six weeks off. This is unfair and we should stop advertising it as unlimited. So it's just been a lot with my current manager working under her. Yeah, she may be a nice person, but the way she communicates policies and the way she acknowledges your efforts are also the qualities that even though she's a nice person, these key moments interacting with her over the course that I've been working at my current company have really drawn me to leave leave the company. So that's a culmination of a lot of things. For example, having four weeks off in my role versus six weeks off to another role. And before people are thinking, oh, maybe that person's been here longer. So that's why they've accrued six weeks or they've earned six weeks. Um, That's not true. That person in marketing um, also started in my year (laughs) or started like around the same time I did. Also, so it's a bunch of things. It's the the PTO policy being communicated to me and then having it differ to another department. It's me 
having my hours extended um, beyond what I was previously working. It bothered me in the sense where I was working nine to five and she told me that she expected me to work nine to six, even though I had been working nine to five prior on, on top of that being denied a raise. So if you look at it from my point of view, I didn't get a raise and I got less PTO than what I thought I had and extended work hours along with a bunch more responsibilities. So those adding up have just really made what I thought was a nice company when I first joined just because everyone here was a lot nicer and the environment is a lot less stressful. It's just not receiving any acknowledgement for the work that you do. And I'm not saying that I feel entitled to having a pat on the back or good job every time I do something, which some employees actually do. For example, one girl at my job, every time her job is talent acquisition, so she hires, she finds people to hire at our company and that's her job. And every time she hires a person, we give her $1,000 on top of her $95,000 salary. And she hires about five people each month. I mean, good for her for finding a job that does that. I wish I got a bonus every time I finished doing my job each day. But it's just seeing how how rude, I guess. (laughs) It just made me feel... So this girl in my company, she gets paid her base salary, which is pretty high. And then she gets a $1,000 bonus every time she does her job, which is to find talent or fill a position if we have an opening. So if we have an opening at our company, she will find someone to fill that position. And once they accept the role, doesn't matter if they stay 30 days. It doesn't matter if they start the role on day one and quit day two. She gets a $1,000 bonus on top of her salary for essentially doing her job. Um, But good for her for finding a job that pays well, getting a bonus every time you complete your job. Um, But yeah, I do feel as though working for my current manager has really led me to walk away from this position just through everything I mentioned before, not communicating PTO, not creating the hourly expectation, learning a bunch of responsibilities that don't apply to my career and not wanting to pass on responsibilities that would help me grow. So while the manager I spoke about in the beginning of this podcast and the manager that I spoke about at my current position do differ in their managing styles, both have had significant impacts on me wanting to walk away from my positions. And I never personally have been a manager But if I ever reach that level in my career, what I would do differently from them is I would always check in on my employees that I'm managing and just see how they're doing. If I notice that they're making a mistake, unlike my first manager, I would ask how they're doing something and try and see where they're messing up and try to help them learn from the mistakes and correct it going forward. For my current manager, the advice that I would give her or what I would do differently is I would communicate my expectations. So if you're working 
from nine to five, but I'm expecting you to work from nine to six, I would let you know that in the beginning. I would let you know that while we do mean, while we do say we have unlimited PTO, just generally keep it at four weeks. Um, I would let them know that rather than having us schedule four weeks and then being denied after and finding out that way. I would also try to help my the people I'm managing grow in their careers. Like my current manager, she's keeping me held down with not allowing me to learn any responsibilities. And while they while I don't want them to be fully mine, I would just like to gain exposure to them, which is something she's against. But if I were a manager, I would at least let the person I'm managing sit in so that they would have a better understanding of how the financials tie together. That's what I would do differently, and I hope that the person listening to this could have related to anything I said about my manager, or if you're working for a manager that is a great one, promotes growth, is always there to listen and has your back, I wish you the best of luck in your career because that sounds amazing, and that's basically that. And that's basically all I had for this episode. I just wanted to share my experiences with a bad manager, how I, it impacted how I was working, how it discourages you. It makes you unmotivated to do your work. It makes me want to not help the company in any way and going so far as to leave my job. Um, I do feel if my managers listen to what I had to say, Um, because we do give feedback where I'll say like, Hey, I think I would like to grow. What can I do to further my career at this company and just be open. And I wish it would be a two way street where I'm not only listening to how I can improve my processes in terms of not making mistakes, but also how they can improve in helping me grow in a career. And That concludes everything that I wanted to talk about for this podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. Please come back next week, next week. Please come back next Monday for a brand new episode and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.